turn with me in your Bible. We read this morning from Judges chapter 8 again and take up again the same verses, some of the same verses that we had read before, only this time I will read only verses 5 through 9. Judges chapter 8, verse 5 through 9. Gideon, of course, is speaking. And he said unto the men of Succoth, Give, I pray you, loaves of bread unto the people that follow me, for they be faint. And I am pursuing after Ziba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And the princess of Succoth said, Are the hands of Ziba and Zalmunna now in thine hand that we should give bread unto thine army? And Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Ziba and Zalmunna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And he went up thence to Penuel and spake unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered him. And he spake also unto the men of Penuel, saying, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. We turn again there in a moment. Until we do, would you stand with me again, please? And sing again number 1137, 1137 in your hymnal. The day approaches, oh my soul, the great decisive day, which from the verge of mortal life shall bear thee far away. Another day, more awful dawns, and lo, the judge appears. Ye hands retire before his face, and sink ye darkened stars. Yet does one short preparing hour, one precious hour remain. Rouse then my soul with all thy power, nor let it pass in vain. Amen. Thank you and be seated.
On last week, I had begun a message from the text in our record of the judges, which included verses 9 through 17 of this 8th chapter. I told you in that message that this passage presented to me an especially difficult task. That is preaching on the unfathomable horror of sinners facing the unmitigated judgment of God. As I said to you then, greatly did I relish to take up such themes in my youth. But the seasoning of time has enlarged my understanding and tempered my heart such that now I come to such a text as this with a broken heart and a solemn sadness not easily shaken off. This seasoning, softening, tempering, as my wife later pointed out to me, is the work of time and experience and cannot be had by academic studies alone. Thus it was that Paul, speaking to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12 said, Let no man despise thy youth. And yet, in another place, he charges him in 1 Timothy 5 and 22, Lay hands suddenly on no man. And if you will exercise your commentaries on that text you'll find that the consensus is that it has to do with laying of hands of ordination on men and that it is not to be done with haste nor without a view to their qualification. Both of these admonitions even that which is in 1 Timothy 4.12, let no man despise thy youth. Both of these admonitions are admonitions to a wise and seasoned ministry. A man to be honored, not for his style or even for his zeal, but for his graces and discretion. Indeed, more for his likeness to Christ of whom it is said in John 7 and 46 never man spake like this man I submit to you this is the characteristic to be sought for 
in the ministry. Never man spake like this man. All that being said, I have set about from this text to treat this subject as you have it for a title in your bulletin. When God sends a teacher, payday will come. In that message on last week, I told you that I wanted to seek to open to our hearts this text by the consideration of three classes of sinners. That's my word. I did not derive that from any other. If you dislike it, feel free to substitute your own. But I said that I would open to our hearts this text by the consideration of three classes of sinners that are embodied in the three judgments pronounced and recorded here in this text. The first, as we saw in that message last week, was of that classification of sinners who hope to escape the judgment of God simply by running. Just running away. We saw that in the Midianites. They fled the battle. Here comes God's servant and God's servants to bring the judgment of God upon them. And they fled and thought they'd escape the judgment of God by just running away. And they put between themselves and the judgment of God, they thought, a suitable obstacle, a suitable distance, and a river. And they hoped by all of that to escape the judgment of God. But you know, and we saw what happened. Gideon came. And so that first classification of sinners, those who hope to escape the judgment of God simply by running, and I listed for you some of the many things to which men run and think themselves to be safe. Indeed, the word used there in the scripture in Judges is, aid is the word secure. They believe themselves to be secure because they've run into these various places that I listed for you on last week. But now today, I want us to see yet another class or classification altogether. I set before you today those who imagine themselves to evade the judgment of God by hiding. <laughs> hiding, not like the Midianites who fled, but rather who fled to some distant place of obscurity. But these rather are hiding within the walls of a carnal tower of their own making. Not hiding by way of fleeing and running 
But these are the ones who are hoping to escape the judgment of God by hiding. Hiding, I said, in the walls of a carnal tower of their own making. Notice with me the wording of verse 7 and 17. Therefore, Gideon said, and Gideon said, Therefore, when the Lord hath delivered Zeba and Zalmunna into mine hand, then will I tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness. Verse 17. And he, sorry, I was to read you verse 9. When he said, he said, when I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Verse 17. And he beat down the tower of Penuel and slew the men of the city. These sinners delude themselves into an artificial peace with the foolish confidence that their fortifications will keep them whatever Gideon's lot may be. These men of Penuel, they did not know, they did not know with certainty if when Gideon went off to meet with these Midianites, whether he would have success and come back in complete victory or whether he would fail and come back in complete failure. They did not know what the case may be, but it did not matter to them whether he won or whether he lost. They had taken refuge in the fact that they had this tower. This tower. And they could hide in the tower no matter what happened to Gideon. They brazenly denied Gideon and his men any aid because of an unshaken certainty in their minds that their tower, their walls of security would hold out safely come what may. Oh, how many. How many are the towers, the castles, the fortifications, that the unbelieving heart erects into which they retreat time and again sure that their walls will secure them while they remain nonetheless obstinately disobedient, uncompliant, and firmly entrenched in their stubborn will. I'm trying to preach slowly this morning because I want you to get it. Oh, how many other towers that the sinner builds into which they can flee. Rather than do what's right, rather than obey, rather than comply 
with the deep needs and dictates of God's servant. No, they'll flee into their towers, firmly entrenched, I said, in their own stubborn will. And believe themselves to be safe. This, they think, is safety. And God will surely not reach me here. Here, God cannot even see. Oh, but like those fools described in Psalm chapter 10. Psalm chapter 10 and verse 4. The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. His ways are always grievous. Thy judgments are far above out of his sight. As for all his enemies, he puffeth at them. He thinks he's so safe in his tower. He puffeth at them. He has said in his heart, verse 6, I shall not be moved, for I shall never be in adversity. Verse 11 he hath said in his heart, God hath forgotten. He hideth his face. He will never see it. Oh, how graphically, how graphically, how graphically did the psalmist describe this classification of fools of sinners. I'm hiding and God can't see. Hidden in the fortification of my own making. These categories of sinners, these sinners, these men of Penuel are not unlike those first ever sinners. The first to blight the earth with their disobedience. Not unlike them. You remember them well, I'm sure. Look at them with me in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave it under her husband with her. And he did eat and the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And God called unto Adam and said, Where art thou? He said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Oh, this has been one of the most ancient, there we call it, one of the most ancient techniques of the sinner to flee into a place they hide. So they think. Oh yes. These sinners believe themselves somehow 
able to elude God's gaze. The aprons they sewed, in case that wasn't enough, they took to the trees. They went to the tower of their trees and they thought they could hide themselves from God. The world's full of sinners that think they can hide from God. I fear many church pews are full of sinners thinking they're hiding from God. Some among us might be thinking they're hiding from God. They'll flee into their tower. But God will find them there. Could I just suggest to your consideration this morning some of the towers into which sinners think themselves to be hid. Number one, I suggest to your consideration there is a tower of fervent works. Oh, <laughs> oh there's a tower of fervent works that sinners flee into. Listen to their testimony on the judgment day recorded in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will, doeth, doeth, doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not in thy name cast out many devils? Have we not in thy name done many wonderful works? Oh, this is surely a tower into which many a sinner has fled thinking they've escaped the judgment of God by their fervent works all the way to the judgment seat. But our God said, and you know it well, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9, you don't have to look, you know it well. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, these sinners trust in good works. May I say to you this morning that good works have furnished a bejeweled chariot to ferry a many a man off into hell. Good works has bejeweled a many a chariot to carry men and women off into hell. Oh, the blessed Horatius Bonar sometime in the 1880s said this, not what my hands have done can save my guilty soul, not what my toiling flesh hath borne can make my spirit whole, 
Not what I feel or do can give me peace with God. Not all my prayers and sighs and tears can bear my awful load. Thy work alone, O Christ, can ease this weight of sin. Thy blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. Thy love to me, O God, not mine, O Lord, to Thee, can rid me of this dark unrest and set my spirit free. Thy grace alone, O God, to me can pardon speak. Thy power alone, O Son of God, can this sore bondage break. I bless the Christ of God. I rest on love divine and with unfaltering lip and heart. I call this Savior mine. Not what I feel or do can give me peace with God. Not all my prayers and sighs and tears can bear my awful Oh, as well as that, blessed Joseph Hart sometime in the 1760s said this, Now ye needy come and welcome God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings you nigh. Without money, without money. Come to Jesus Christ and buy. He said in that hymn in another place, Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need of him. Oh, isn't that a blessed truth, Brother John? Isn't that a blessed truth? The only fitness I have need of is to realize I need him. Oh, let not conscience make you linger, nor a fitness fondly dream. All the fitness he requires is to feel your need of him. This he gives you, this he gives you, tis the Spirit's rising beam. Come ye weary, heavy laden, Lost and ruined by the fall. If you wait until you're better, you'll never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners Jesus came to call. View him prostrate in the garden. On the ground your master lies. On the awful tree behold him, hear him cry before he dies. It is finished. It is finished, sinner. Will this not suffice? Fervent works. Oh, think not to hide. Think not to hide yourself in the tower of your fervent works. They will surely collapse. On your perishing soul when Gideon comes. Verse 17. And he beat down the tower. Mm. Verse 9. He said, I will break down 
this tower. That word break in the Hebrew is an interesting word. It means to tear. I thought it was interesting. It says, uh, Strong says it means to tear down, to break down, to pull down. It's always down. That word carries the the, the the sense of motion, and that motion is always down. The sinner has exalted himself in a tower. But God said, I'll bring it down. Gideon tore it down. He broke it down. But now here's another castle. I give you number two. Some think themselves to be safe in a tower of fervent works, but then others hide in a tower of fretful weakness. Fervent works. Fretful weakness. Oh, those who flee to hide from God's justice in the towers of their own making are not usually those that think themselves mighty in battle, but rather they think of themselves as weak and fearful. And thus it is that they rush off into their towers, albeit towers of disobedience. These would say with the sons of Penuel, I cannot yield to him obedience, so I'll just take my flight to the fortification of my tower of weakness. Surely there I can hide, saying, Lord, I'm just too weak. I'm just too weak. Fretful weakness. Like Gideon's own son later on, we haven't gotten there, but Gideon's own son in verse 20 of this chapter is described when his firstborn, Gideon's firstborn, Jether was admonished, verse 20, up and slam him, but the youth drew not his sword, for he feared because he was yet a youth. He was too little. Too fearful to do the job. These say, surely God will not take me here. He knows I'm weak. What is this but a tower? A tower into which to flee. For no other purpose than to disobey God. God said do a thing. And you said no I'll take to my tower. I'm weak. I'll just flee to my tower. Fretful weakness. Sinners that would seek to hide. Some of them will flee to a tower of fervent works. Some will flee to a tower of fretful weakness. But now let me suggest to you one other. Some will flee to a tower of false wisdom. Oh, says those sinners, 
hiding in this tower. I have risen to a lofty plane of intellectual prowess. Well above the lowly masses. Indeed, above the very reach of God himself. And then, with a smirk on their face, they would say, I've risen above the reach of God himself, if there is such a being. Paul describes these sinners when he's admonishing Timothy again in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4. He describes these as heady, high-minded. There's two interesting Greek words. The word heady literally translates falling forward. <laughs> your head's gotten so big, it's outweighed your body, and you're just falling forward. That's that word heady right there. And then there's that word, he says heady, high-minded lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. High-minded. It means to Inflate something with smoke. <laughs> You've got your head pressurized with smoke. Heady. High-minded. That's the description of these sinners. They've got a false wisdom. Oh, says our God. Listen to him now. The weapons of our warfare, he says, in Second Corinthians and chapter 10, the weapons of our warfare are spiritual. And listen what they do. Chapter 10 and verse 4. They're spiritual. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down. You see the same idea keep recurring. Down, down, down. God will be pulling down these towers. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Paul says the saints will be casting down imaginations, that's the word for reasonings. He's going to be casting down your human reasonings, your false wisdom. He's going to be casting down what? Imaginations. Well, that's a blessed Greek word. Take that Greek word and do word study sometime. Word for which we get our word logic. It means computations. God said, I'm going to tear down all your computations. You think you've computed it all well. 
You think you have great computations. And you've eluded the justice of God. You've disobeyed the command of God to repent, repent, repent. And you've ignored it and you've disobeyed because you think you have computed it all and your computations have made you made your head full of smoke. And now you're heady and high-minded. But he said, I'll come and I'll cast down your computations. But these sinners will build a tower. These sinners will build a tower and think themselves safe from any notion of the judgment of God. All these and many others, I don't have time this morning. These and many others are the towers into which sinners flee, these sons of Penuel, and think to outbrave the very commands of God in the fortifications of their towers. But wait. What did these sons of Benuel learn? Oh, I'll give it to you in two words. Gideon came. Gideon came. Gideon came as promised. And they learned that there was no place to hide. Verse 17, and he beat down the tower of Penuel and slew the men of the city. There is no place to hide. They learned what the psalmist later wrote in Psalm 139. Listen to it. Follow it if you'd like. They learned what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all of my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. Whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? And I could add, where can I hide? Where's the tower that I can hide in? Verse 8, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall behold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. Oh, for thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. Where can you go, sinner? 
Where can you go? Where can you go? There's no tower. Gideon will come. And when he comes, he'll tear that tower down. Whatever it was, whether it was your fretful weakness, your false wisdom, whatever it is, your fervent works, he'll tear it down. He'll tear the deception down. Oh, I tell you this morning, my sinner friend, I tell you this morning, my sinner friend, there is no tower high enough. There is no fortification strong enough. There is no place to hide. God will find you and tear down your tower of unbelief. He'll tear down your tower of disguise. He'll tear down your tower of disobedience. And you will feel for all eternity the weight of His displeasure at your tower building. Hebrews 2, therefore we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great Salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, was confirmed by us by them that heard him. God bearing witness with signs and wonders. I said, Gideon will come and tear down your tower of disobedience and unbelief, and you will for all eternity. Feel the weight of his hot displeasure at your tower building. Turn. Hebrews 1 and verse 3 would teach us, Turn! Turn this morning, sinner. Flee from your tower and surrender. Throw yourself down at the feet of this Gideon and sue him for pardon. While there's still gospel time. Flee to this blessed Gideon. And sue him for mercy. Your tower will not stand. Turn with me, if you will, in your hymn book. And stand with me, please. Number 1135. Standing and singing, number 1135. The Lord will come. The earth will quake. The hills, their ancient seats forsake. And withering from the vault of night, the stars withdraw their feeble light. The Lord will come. But not the same as once in lowly form he came, a quiet lamb to slaughter led, the bruised and suffering and the dead. The Lord will come, a dreadful form 
with wreath of flame and robe of storm, on cherub wings and wings of wind, anointed judge of humankind, the Lord will come. 11.35 The Lord will come, the earth shall quake, the hills their ancient seeds forsake. Though withering from the vault of night, the stars withdraw their feeble light. The Lord will come, but not the same as once in lowly form he came. A quiet lamb to slaughter led the bruised, the suffering, and the dead. The Lord will come, a dreadful form, with wreath of flame and robe of storm on cherub's wings and wings of wind anointed judge of humankind can this be he who wants to stray a pilgrim on the world's highway by powers oppressed and mocked by Christ. Oh God, this is the crucified. Go tyrants to the rocks complain. Go seek the mountains cleft in vain. But faith victorious o'er the tomb shall sing for joy the Lord is come.